From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis, ultimately, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are endings and illusory attitude. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Dancing doesn't make any sound. It doesn't. <laughs> but we do it anyways. Wait, we're doing it. We hope you are doing it too, listener. Right. It's one of those things that improves the experience for the listener, but they'll never know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just gets us, gets us revved up. Gives us pump. A little bounce. So this is old news for people listening probably. Right. It's been a couple of weeks uh, between this and when you hear it. Um, but Stephen, we saw the Super Mario movie. We did. <laughs> which I got to say, I'm still flabbergasted that they kept that um, logo. The oh. Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. And like with the really, it, it looks so temp. Doesn't it look so temporary? <laughs> it does kind of look like they copy pasted new Super Mario Bros and edited it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. just And like that logo is on t-shirts too. It's like, yeah. how dare they? <laughs> I th- but of course, I think the reason they called it that is so that when you Google the Super Mario Brothers movie, that comes up yeah. and not the 1993 right. Super Mario Brothers. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is also shame on them. <laughs> Was it good? Uh, uh, I had a fun time. Okay. I liked it. It was fun. All right. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, that's how okay. I would describe it. Is it's fun. If you've played a Mario game, you will enjoy this film. Yeah, basically. I, I think right. if right. you're if you're looking for anything more than that, uh, why? No. Why would you well, look for more okay. than that? So I kind of agree with you, Ellen. That I love it when you kind of agree. <laughs> that's what I do with most things. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Ellen loves me, y'all. Uh, <laughs> but I, but like I, I do kind of wish that it was more I oh guess. okay yeah. i don't know like i i i went in expecting it to just be you know it it do a bunch of super mario references and i'd be like oh i understand that and it'd be great mm-hmm. and i did like that and it was enjoyable but i do kind of wish that like there was more to it and i don't exactly know what that is hmm. um because it's like it's i don't ask i ask that out of mario games i suppose like yeah. i don't want it to just be oh i understand that, oh there's a goomba i know i can jump on that you know i want it to be more than that well, um, they give they give Mario a family. You meet yes. his parents that's and true. extended family. And that's that's an interesting new thing. It is, and it, it comes out of like those character designs were from an unused thing for one of the games. Yeah, so there's some old concept. Yeah, there's some connection there to the history of Mario and its creation. That is, but neat. you've never seen that in any Mario hmm. game before. So it does feel like new, mm-hmm. and then it amounts to very little. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm not even asking for new per se. Yeah. I think I just want. I think part of it was like a lot of the um the the morals of it are just like generic things that they well that, that's movies. what I mean is like that that there's a whole story about uh you know the Mario Brothers are down on their luck plumbers yeah which is straight out of the 1993 it is mm-hmm. yes. right um like it's I guess it's not it's a, a hero can't be successful before the movie starts mm-hmm. so that maybe that's just sort of a natural trope yeah but um but also they are sort of disappointing their parents yeah oh. and like and living you know that that sort of also trope. Yeah, but then that is such a you. They talk about it at the beginning for two seconds, and yep. then they button it up at the end two yep. seconds. It's not a through line in the movie. Oh. It's not, and that's kind of what I mean. It's yeah. like okay. that could have been more. It could have yeah. been like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, what if Mario makes decisions like because he's desperate to please his family, yes. actually, even though they're not around to see it. Like that would be an interesting character. You're hitting, dynamic. You're hitting at it. That's yeah. I think that's what I was missing. There's not a lot of that stuff, and there's a lot of like references and things. There's not a lot of yeah. interesting character. Uh, motivations and narrative stuff that's happening. It's mostly just excuses to get to cool Mario right. stuff. True right. Enough. True to a Mario game, the goal is to get to the end. Yeah. There's no other goal right. in mind. Yeah, basically. Like, there's no, 
I mean, like Luigi gets kidnapped mm-hmm. uh, early, and then it's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. And he gets kidnapped, and and uh, you essentially then don't see him until he's rescued. Well, for the most part, yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. it cuts to him maybe once or twice or something. Mm-hmm. But like, why didn't he get a little subplot of like yeah. teaming up with the other prisoners, yeah. and maybe learning something from someone? You know, like right. those the penguins that captured the, again. You don't. It just is like basic screenwriting stuff yeah. I think that was missing from this movie yeah. and oh. it's I think this is a this is maybe an unfair charge to level because it's really easy as a, a person a, a consumer of product mm-hmm. or even a professional critic mm-hmm. to say something about how something is kind of lazy they could have done better but I really think they could have just spent another couple weeks polishing the script they wouldn't have to change much mm-hmm. they just could have like made it more interesting give the characters more motivation yeah give them some like you know, Bowser's in love with Peach and they turn that into as much comedy as they can so it doesn't feel icky. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm writing that script, I'm getting rid of that entirely. Honestly, There's no, there is no yeah. way to fix that. Yeah, I know Jack Black did a really cute improv song, yeah. but it's it was, gross yeah, it was, and like it, you can't fix that. Yeah. You just cannot fix it. No. But in the movie, Peach is like, no, I'm not going to marry you. And that's like it. There's no, she doesn't react to it in any other way yeah. than like, because they if they engage with it, then they'll, then it becomes really icky. Yeah. And so they kind of just have to treat it as a joke, but then then why have it at all? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just it's seems... so central to their franchise. I guess so. Well, no, it's not. Bowser's not in love with Peach except for Super Mario Odyssey. I guess oh, they get married. But well, other that, than well, that. Well, also. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Also, I mean, there's not a lot to pick from. So what yeah. exists is I, I can see right. why they picked it. Right. But the plot of this movie is not Rescue the Princess. Right. And I, they did that because they know that that's tired mm. and they don't want to do that anymore. Even though like Odyssey, recently as Odyssey, they did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they didn't want to do this for the movie because yeah. they know they don't want to be perpetuating that that uh, trope anymore. Mm-hmm. So then get rid of all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. don't don't keep the little bit of it because it's funny and people recognize it. If, yeah. if you're going to do that, then just kidnap the princess and yeah. then spend half the movie with her trying to escape. Mm. Yeah. Then you could have actually made something out of it. Like, I don't know. I, now I'm getting really ranty and complaining. I was say, you guys are doing a lot more analysis than I expected. I I, I just think they had an opportunity to do more yeah. with it, and they yeah. just at every turn chose to do less. Hmm. Um, they went for the references. Yeah, and they're all fine. They're fun. Yeah. Well, that's and that's basically the movie is fun. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately. I think I would I would totally recommend any, anybody see it. It's a good time. And admittedly, I want to watch it again. You, you, okay. All right. You won't all walk right. out unhappy, yeah. and then you start thinking about it. The more you think about it, the less you like it. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. It, while you're watching it. It's a blast. All right. Yeah. yeah it's a good Get night. some popcorn and 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 that's your experience. Yeah. But here's the thing. By now, when this episode comes out, everyone will already say it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's breaking records. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is, it is. I think, already the most uh, successful animated movie of all time. Yes. Like, at least it, it, this More than Frozen, Frozen 2 or whatever. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. it, mm. it, it's going to rank in the all-time yeah. films. And I, I, that's kind of interesting. I was, I was talking to you about this earlier, Stephen. Mm. Like, I... I know it's a kids movie, but I get very confused as to what kids are into Mario. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of avenue in, and there's so many other things for kids. Mm-hmm. When I was young, Mario was one of the only video games. Yeah, or at least one of the only big ones that everybody knew about. So I get why my generation loves Mario. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, Mario hasn't been kept alive in cartoons and stuff all this time. So I, it, it does kind of baffle me that kids today love Mario as much as I did when I was there. Well, I mean, kids today might get some exposure to Mario and then are also dragged to the theater by their nostalgic driven parents. That's true. Yeah. It's sort of kept alive generationally. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're perpetuating it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're part I, of the I suppose problem? like, yeah. like there are new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle things. Yeah. Right? But, and people my age love the cartoon show, but we didn't, we don't still love 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. Wrong. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I'll still play Mario games. Yeah. So I'm more likely to want my kid to be into Mario. Sure. Whereas I really could care less if I had a kid if they were into Ninja Turtles. Well, I don't we're gonna talk, We'll talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm completely off base. No, I think you're fine. I think it's. I think that makes sense. I think yeah. that makes sense. The thing that's been on my radar is the D&D movie, which I haven't seen yet either. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. heard good um, things. Yeah, it's been getting some rave reviews in the friend groups and ah. from elsewhere. So yeah. I'm excited. To yeah, it seems that. very exciting. I don't know if I said that on the show before, but the thing that, that excites me about that movie is that it's a fantasy movie that understands how stupid fantasy is. <laughs> and I think that's the key. Yeah. <laughs> is fantasy is dumb. And if a movie knows that, it can be great. Yeah, it, it has fun with it. I think the way um, you remember John Keeney, who we've had on the show mm-hmm. to talk about being a dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I were talking about this last week, and he's like, "Yeah, it just like just you know they have the rules and they stick to the rules, except for when it's more fun to break them." Yeah, just like you Which should. Is what you should do is what you should be doing yeah. in D yeah. D. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. That's so good. that's a great attitude. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to. So I'm excited to see both of them. I don't know when I'm gonna get to, but yeah, at some point. At some point. Yep. Um, I've been playing for spoken. We're gonna switch topics immediately. Yeah, I heard um, it has cats in it. It does have cats in it. So many, a lot of cats. Actually, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. You basically play as a witch. Like it's not advertised in the advertisement. You just play as a witch and you just do witchy things. Yeah, sweet. But like your witchy things are explosions, <laughs> not like making or uh, stirring a cauldron or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> play this game. It's very fun. Um, I mean, I, the reason I put this put this in the meta, frankly, is just because, like, you know, there was a time when people, uh, a month or so, I guess, mm. people were like, "Oh gosh, the dialogue in this game is bad." Right? How dare a, th- a thing that is styled like a CW uh, thing yeah. sound like a CW? Thing? Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so what if it's corny dialogue? It's that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, frankly, I found it charming a lot of the time. Yeah. So I mean, these people listened to any Halo dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's dumb too. I think, yeah. So the issue, I, I think the reason why people had an issue with Forspoken's dialogue in particular is mm-hmm. because the main character is like transported into a fantasy realm, right. like a traditional fantasy realm with elves or whatever. There yeah. aren't any elves in the game. But, mm-hmm. um, and like the, ma- the main character doesn't take it seriously because like you right. know, she's from New York. I don't right, because fantasy is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it gets it. <laughs> well, she gets it anyway. <laughs> And so she's just like, you know, cracking jokes all over the place and stuff. Right. And I think some of it, a little, some of it is cringy, I guess. But like, sure. I found it cringy only when it was like, actually, I found it cringy when they were taking it very seriously yeah. <laughs> with respect to like, um, like how magic worked or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but I think like when, when like they were taking the plot seriously and not necessarily the world, then I enjoyed it a lot more. Ah, that, that seriousness of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like the plot's not amazing. Um, it's it's fine. Yeah, serviceable. I'm interested in it. I actually I like the characters a lot, and I would like mm-hmm. to see. I wish there were going to be a sequel. There probably isn't going to be a sequel because I don't think the game sold super well. But there is going to mm-hmm. be DLC. Yeah. Um, and so okay. I hope that that DLC, um, satisfies my want for more character. Sure. More witchy explosions. So it, more. Witchy it's got explosions. it's got cats for Dale. It's got explosions for Ellen. Is there anything in this game for me? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> I don't th- it's on the PS5. Well, there's, I don't know. I, one thing that was really cool about Forspoken, I've been playing it on my brother's PS5, mm-hmm. and it has that um, when you do um, 
fast travel stuff, yeah, it like happens almost instantly, and I just haven't experienced that in the game yet. Sure. So it was just really cool. Yeah, Every yeah. time it happened, I'd be like, Wah! I'd be like getting ready to get up and like go get a snack or something because it's going to take ten seconds. It's amazing how much that, especially games that are not necessarily designed for that. Yeah. That are that, and and you know from a decade, a decade and a half of that mm-hmm. kind of loading screen. Yeah. And getting used to it and feeling very comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, playing a game on PS5 where it's just instant is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like in uh, when you play Spider-Man on PS5, mm-hmm. like those little cutscenes that play over the uh, loading. Yeah. Where Spider-Man's like riding the subway or something. Right. They are they they make them like artificially longer than the loading just so you see them. Yeah. Like yeah. that's how quick it is. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just happens so quickly. And and the characters joke about it. They'll be like, "Wow, that happened miraculously fast." And I'm like, "Yeah, it that's did. hilarious. <laughs> I like that." There you I know. Go. The jokes, Mark. The so jokes are for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You might. Yeah. You might like that too. I don't know. Um, it's worth trying at the very least. Um, maybe give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, Glom is on this list as well because we're beating that drum. It's yep. on. Glom is available for pre-order. We talked about it last week, but yes. the game that we made during a nice games jam and sold to a publisher last year, mm-hmm. it's coming out this year. Yes. Um, I think the word is September-ish, end of summer, fall perhaps. Yeah, we don't have um, the, the, the specific date. But, uh, but the publisher, they're going to be taken out to conventions this summer, but they also have put it up for pre-order yeah. on at least two retailers. Pre-order. And we have those links for you at nicegames.com slash Glom. Yes. G-L-O-M. Is how you spell Glom. Uh, nice games that club slash Glom. If you want to pick up a copy, it's uh, the I guess the MSRP is nineteen ninety nine, but mm-hmm. you can pre order it for fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that'll stay that way, um, but that seems like a pretty good price for a card game. Yeah, it's, and and crazy. I, I think listeners, you know, you've you've hopefully listened to the show enough to know how fun Glom is. Yeah, we've talked it up so much, <laughs> uh, so uh, give it a shot. Check it out. Pre order, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, topics. 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 We each have one. Um, I don't. Well, two of us do. Right. Mine was first spoken. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My topic today is endings, which is kind of broad, but I kind of like it that way. It's kind of funny that you are doing the first topic and your topic is endings. Oh, I didn't even think about that. We should have thought of it. We should have thought of either coming up with a better joke. Yep. Or actually putting it at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. Oops. (laughs) You know, not everything is, uh, is incredible around here. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It, it starts, it's high at glom, and then everything else is a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so endings. I was thinking of it sort of two categories, okay. uh, narratively and mechanically. Yeah. Ooh, um, that's sort of a lot of these topics, a lot of topics can be split in half like that. And I think this is a really good one for that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, writing endings. Yeah. Let's talk about it narratively first. And I think um, I'm I'm not going to get like a full sort of like script writey kind of uh, th- thing about this. Sure. But it, a lot of the same things apply, right? Sort of lessons from narrative fiction. So character growth and change. And n- no no more than, or uh, never more than with the main character, right? The mm-hmm. player character. Mm-hmm. Um, you want there to be some sort of conclusion for that character. I think a lot of, I think too many games, you start out that the only growth a character has is in their stats. Yeah. And narratively, that's also represented. Like, yeah. you know, the, the final cutscene is when they get the last power up and big things swirl around them and they have enough to beat the boss. Mm-hmm. And that's the big growth and change. Yeah. And I think that's satisfying mechanics. Uh, and we'll talk about that but um i think that a lot of games are just like oh you love this character um now put some armor on it power you up go. your stats yeah. and then you love them a little bit more at the end uh, um and i think a little bit more could be done with that yeah agreed. um but there are also um uh you know uh character growth that you see in a lot of games that is utterly separate from 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 mechanical choices because the story kind of happens in the background as you play mm-hmm. yeah 
I don't mind that so much necessarily as a mm. player. It doesn't bother me that, that those things aren't connected as yeah. long as the narrative is good. Mm. Um, one of the things that I liked about Mass Effect was that the story, the, the galactic nature of the story meant that like, um, as you traveled through the, you know, the different uh, main uh, missions and side missions, yeah. you saw as the sort of Reaper threat got closer, whatever, whichever game it was uh, working towards that final uh, boss fight, you would, you'd interact with other factions and characters who were sort of like, that was sort of the the narrative arc moved through a lot of your interactions with, with other characters sure. because the, the the story was so galactic. Um, that I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And that was really unrelated to, because you could spend, you know, hours and hours in side missions and not progress yeah. uh, towards anything or not upgrade your weapons or whatever. Right. Um, or you could ignore certain, that was sort of unrelated to that, but it really felt, uh, it felt propulsive, even though it was, I think, decoupled from the mechanics mm. um yeah sure it didn't bother me there are things i don't like about that narrative but uh, but that part of it the fact that it's separate from uh the sort of mechanical nature of your progression i don't think is a problem mm-hmm. i also think it's there's interesting potential for as a narrative designer to work in in um sort of at cross purposes to hmm. mechanical growth oh like you could like I mean, there's a sort of like uh, darkest before the dawn kind of cliche in a sort of a narrative arc, right? You, yeah. Uh, you, everything's progressing, progressing, and then something, everything goes wrong, and then you have to work your way back up to the win. That's it's a very cliche kind of way to do a story, but right. it works. You, you could see yourself as a character narratively being at their lowest point, mm. just as they are m- the most powerful in, in terms of the skills yeah. And, yeah. and inventory, yep. right? It's not that you have to lose all your stuff before the end boss or whatever. Yeah. It could just be that narratively, like all of those things don't mean anything to you or they become kind of like, or you become a super killing machine and that's a tragedy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, opportunities to, um, to, to really um, have the, the, those things play off of each other. And I don't know that enough people do that. Mm. Um, and that ending that when you get there needs to be the sort of sum of all of that. Yeah. Right. So if you, you know, if the end is uh, a character, you know, either, uh, um, They've done all this fighting and now they finally fought their last fight. That's yeah. that's an interesting ending. But then how do you relate that to say like a new game plus experience? Well, it's sort of you tend to just go back in time a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you were to have the ending, you know, move on from that with that change? You wouldn't necessarily have to change it mechanically. You could then recontextualize what that means in in light of the ending. Yeah. Well, one one example of that is I think it was read Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. like the main character, I'm going to spoil this ending. So if you if you care about that, stop listening. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, the main character dies at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and you play in the new game plus or the end game or whatever. You just play as, I think, his son. Yeah. Um, so like that's an example of what yeah. I'm describing. Yeah. yeah. And mechanically, you just you maintain all the same inventory and mm-hmm. stuff. So you could mop up all the cuts with all the side quests or whatever yeah as if you were still the, that character yeah i think people make references to it and stuff too yeah yeah um so yeah some alternate lines or whatever mm-hmm. that's where that's a really cool way to do it yeah. yeah yeah and i think that having your ending play into that and i think that's that's very often with new game plus or with live service games they have a difficult time with that ending because that it doesn't line up to how the game plays right and i think a lot of times people are a little bit scared to make the game different <laughs> because yeah. If you play a game for a while, you're really enjoying it, and then the ending happens, and then you can you can you can play it again either as a new game plus or replay the story or whatever. Yeah. But if that experience is not the same as what you enjoyed up to then, I think players can. That's a that's risky for a developer yes. to do, and I think that's why it doesn't happen as often as maybe uh-huh. it should. Um, and something like that at Red Dead Redemption, I think that they 
mechanically make the game as close as possible so that it can still feel the same for people who aren't paying a lot of attention to the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, like I said, these things, they can play off of each other narratively even if they don't mechanically feel different. Yeah. Because it allows players to, who like to skip, skip cutscenes just to continue to skip cutscenes. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to see more of that and not in games that are like obvious, going to be obvious uh, hits out of the gate. Uh, that's not as much of a risk, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, but another thing about uh, the sort of um, uh, game narrative is always this power fantasy fulfilled, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Metroid is like this. We always become super powerful at the end. Oh, yeah. As as kind of as part of the narrative structure of it. Mm-hmm. And that ties really, really close with the mechanical growth mm-hmm. because that game is about getting better and getting better and getting better. Yeah. yeah. And that is always tied to your feeling as sort of your 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 empathy with Samus as a character. Yeah. So those things don't play off each other in interesting or clever ways, but that's not the point is not to do that. Right. right. So that's very deliberate and I think that's also a perfectly fine way to go. You don't mm-hmm. have to get clever with it. Mm-hmm. it. You can really, really tie it together. Yeah. Well it feels tied together deliberately. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. not like they were just crafted independently and then kind of slapped together. Yeah. Like, and the whole idea of like every Metroid game, you lose all your stuff at the beginning. Yeah. There, there are, you know, increasingly contrived reasons for that to happen. Yeah. But you feel that as a player. Mm-hmm. You feel weak. You feel depowered. The the early cutscenes are are Samus struggling with not having the stuff right. that Samus normally has. Yep. And you as the player feel that same way, mm-hmm. yeah. whether you've played a Metroid game before or not. Uh, it's it's present it's contextualized that way. And that's right. that's that's effective. Um so there's not a wrong way to do it necessarily. Um, okay, that's as much as I'm going to talk about narrative stuff mm-hmm. because you could just go on and on about it. Mm-hmm. But I think gameplay endings are interesting and we've talked touched on it a little bit. But like the 100% completion mm-hmm. is yeah. interesting because I think I get frustrated with games where I play through the campaign and then I'm at 82% completion. Mm. Because oh. then I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get the other 18%. Because it's just too close. It's too close. Oh, I see. Yeah. I much prefer games that let me get to 100% before I beat the last boss. Yeah. So I can just be done with it and put it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that usually means there's less content because, you know, uh, you're not going to you're gonna force someone to do a, a ton of stuff before completing the story. Yeah. Or l- let me get to 37% before I get, so I can just decide all right, if I'm going to keep going, it's a real commitment here. Right. And I can choose to do that or not. Yeah. Um, and so I think that calibration is, and the more freedom you give players to mop up that stuff before they do the final boss, the less control you as a developer have over how that experience is for the player. Yes. And I think that freedom is dangerous. And I don't think the developers know that enough. I think about like mm. Breath of the Wild, where it, people joke about it, or or Mass Effect's another one, where there's a joke about like, oh, hurry, we must, it's urgent, we must do this thing. Yeah. When you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, we could do better than that. Like we can say, we could, if we can encourage the player to actually get to the end, finish the game. Yeah. Make it, motivate them to do that mm-hmm. without making them feel bad for not finishing all the stuff. Well, it's, it, I think it's difficult sometimes because uh, games have like toyed with that or toyed with the way that players experience the end game after yeah. the, after. So like for instance, Breath of the Wild is a good example, I think, because like at the end of that game, it doesn't end, right? Like, there's not an end. Well, it ends, right? But yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't. You, when, if you go back to it, you just, like, go back in time we're, before we're, you we're, beat, Yeah. You just go back in time before you beat Ganondorf. Yeah. So, um, and so, like, if you as a player know that's going to happen, then you can just beat the boss and, and you feel comfortable knowing what the ending is yeah. and do your stuff afterwards. But a lot of other times, games will just, like, end and you won't and it'll just be different and you might not want to experience the game differently yeah. at that point. Hmm. I I think the the I think developers are too afraid of their players, mm. uh, and they don't do a good enough job 
explaining to players as they play yeah. what's going to happen. Sure. Um, I think I think it's it's um I think it's commonly advised to make things as open ended and as uh, give the players as much choice as possible. Mm-hmm. But I think that robs these endings of of value. Yeah. Because a lot. I mean, I think a lot of time, if, listen. Think about when you've played a game like that where you've you've wait you're like oh you know i'm not gonna do all the cutscenes, but i'm gonna do some of them or the, the side missions i'm yeah. gonna do some of them yeah and then i'll do the ending and then i'll do the other ones or whatever think about how you where the ending fits in your like user story of your your actual play like it tends to just be this speed bump uh, as you're doing the end game content yeah mm. um uh, some games will have you finish the game and then all the end game content opens up mm. right and some games will have the end game content essentially be all of the stuff you missed and so that is available to you before the game ends. Yeah. And so you're already in a situation where all you have left to do is the final boss. Some games will even like give you a big warning, like no returning from here. Yeah. And I think I think that's a pretty blunt instrument. Yeah. Um, but it also means that essentially the game is now over for the player. Right. The, and so any momentum they have leading up to that has been halted. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, I, and I think developers are really comfortable doing that. Mm. And I don't I don't like that. Mm. I I think there's you have to, I think you should be a little bit I mean, I'm always advocating for like develop developer agency and stuff like this. Sure. Um, and I think give players options, but make sure that those options are in a like that you understand that the shape of of that and can guide it, and understand the consequences of that. Like if a player is just really resistant to finishing your game, why? Right. And and do you and is that good? Like do you does that mean that oh they can just finish when they want? But then think about well then what value? Why give them? Why even have an ending then? Mm. If if you know why not just like imply an ending and then just suddenly oh that other hero took care of it but you've got all this side content (laughs) like the stanley parable approach yeah you basically win the game by being like okay i get it i'm done (laughs) yeah Yeah. basically (laughs) (laughs) i don't have answers for these things but i think that like a lot of times uh they tend to think of it sort of um like a checklist and they don't think about in terms of like the time players spend like if you, you know, are are the pace at which you're going through an Assassin's Creed or whatever really governs how you interact with characters. Like yeah. there's so many times in games like that where I'll 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 get back to it and I'll do a bunch of things. Then I'll get back on the main mission or I'll do like chapter two of some side mission. Mm-hmm. And then a character will talk about like, okay, so just like we talked about yesterday, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Like <laughs> or they'll be like that where the story will sort of pick up immediately after. Yeah. But but for me, as embodying the character, right. it's even if it even if it's not been in game time, even if they're correct in terms of wh- how it's presented. Yeah. For me, it feels like this happened a long time ago, mm-hmm. or it feels like, or even if it only happened twenty minutes ago, I did three other missions in the meantime. Right. Yeah. So I'm in kind of a different place. Yeah. But but then the story progresses as if I just finished that and this. So what they decide is important or what's urgent. And I think there's a lot of like people just sort of letting that wash over them. Like, oh, I get it. It's I'll. I'll you have to sort of resuspend your disbelief at multiple points yeah. in a game like that, hmm. yeah. In a way that I don't think is necessary. So I'm curious um, how you felt about how Spider-Man did it, because uh, like Spider-Man has it where that like, there's a bunch of urgent stuff, and then you're doing story plot, and then there'll be a period where like uh, Peter Parker or Miles Morales just has to wait. Right, you you quests. can't do the next part. Yeah, you have to do yeah. some quests until that until that uh, they call you back or whatever. I think that's also kind of blunt, but I do okay. I did like it. Okay. And the reason I liked it is because when time came for you to get back on the main story train, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a do it now, do it now. Yeah. So you it kind of said now it's available. Yeah. Like narratively, it, it mm. communicated that to you. Yeah. But it let you not do it yet. Sure. And so it's still and because you're in the middle of the sort of doing some side mission stuff, 
it felt like it wasn't this huge instant change of pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's a way of giving the player control, but also controlling the player's pacing. Yes. In a way mm-hmm. that I think was effective. Okay. Um, but also, but a pretty blunt instrument mm-hmm. to be effective. Mm-hmm. Did you not like that? No, I, I, I mean, I didn't play through Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I've only watched like speed runs of it. That's yeah. why I know it exists. Oh, <laughs> uh, waiting around for the next thing. <laughs> well, it, they didn't have to. They figured out ways to get what past the waiting. Were, right, know? right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't get too much into Spider-Man because I had a hard time with the swinging. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is just unique to me, I guess. <laughs> Most people loved it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I just remember that being interesting, an interesting aspect of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the other thing that Spider Man is a pretty good example. I just love I love that game. I think mm. it, it's I've said this before on the show. The game is not innovative in any way, mm-hmm. and yet it's so it does sort of everything right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of like all of its I I don't generally like open world games. Um, I like I I guess I like playing them, but I would never describe it as a genre I like. Sure, because of how much problems I have with so many of them. Yeah. Um, but I but I think it just was so competent. It might be faint praise, but like for me, that is a big deal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that is. Um, the the other thing about when you're done with the game, when it's ended for you as a player, yep. is when you've mastered its mechanics, mm-hmm. yeah. and you feel like there's no more for you to learn necessarily. And either that is, you know, let's say a live service game, you just continue, you know, on, mm-hmm. and that that's fine, even though it's sort of you're in the you're done with it, yeah. you're done with that part of the experience, right, right, yeah. But for other games, it could be that's when it's time to put it down when you complete all the challenges or whatever. And in order to complete all the challenges, you do need to master. And I think Spider Man did a really good job with that because. Um, I mean, it's a game. I think I've talked, said this before too. Like, I never wanted to do any like brawl combos in Arkham City. Yeah, but I loved doing that stuff in Spider-Man, hmm. and I do not know what's different about them. Oh, that's fascinating. They're essentially like the, the same, same systems. Yeah, but for some reason, I really got into it. Well, I guess the only thing I could say that is different, which is and really that different, is Spider-Man has aerial combos, but like, but so does Batman. I mean, is it the? Oh, com- does it? I don't remember. It does. It's been a long time since I played Batman game. But like way more aerial combat. Yeah, it's Spider-Man's like all about the whole. Yeah, there are some. There are some different literal differences. I mean, it's. But yeah. like not really. It's, yeah, I yeah, agree yeah. With it's because really. the game is more than just pressing the buttons, right? It's yeah. all the stuff that leads up to you pressing the buttons and the reasons why you're pressing the buttons. Yeah, it's it's it. They both can and you can get a sense of flow from mm. doing combos, and they're yeah. both very. They're both high quality systems. I have yeah. no complaints about how uh, Ar- the Arkham games do it. Yeah. I just. Could not be bothered to hit square any more times. Sure, like <laughs> would, yeah. you know, you just don't like being Batman. Maybe that can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the thing I liked about Spider Man is when I got towards the end, I felt like okay, I've I've I feel engaged enough. I I've practiced enough. I know yeah. I'm good at this game now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a lot, especially Assassin's Creed games, yeah. I never feel good at the game at the end. Mm. I feel like I've just done all the things. Yeah. Mm. And that's you know, and I think more and more of those games are less about skill and more about numbers. Yeah. But um, but even the early ones were like that, where it just felt the the what propelled what sent me toward the ending of those games were the story. Right. Yeah. Which is why I tended to hate the later ones when they cared less about that stuff. Yeah. But Spider Man, I think, did a pretty good job of making me like feel like it was like the I I went through an arc with my experience of play mm-hmm. um, in a way that a lot of other open world games don't. Um, and I think that's, because I can't explain why it did it so well, um, and it might just be to taste, right? Yeah. It might not be an actual uh, reason. Hmm. Now I want you to play Forspoken. Yeah? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if you feel, if you'd feel that same way about Forspoken. Yeah. Because I think like it has, it has a lot of commonalities you're talking about with respect to the Spider-Man. Yeah. But I like the movement in Forspoken. You just run. You don't swing on things and crash into buildings uh-huh. like I did. Um, <laughs> if you run into something, you just bounce off of it. It's way better. Nice. Anyways. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I like the, I think like a lot of the reason why I, I got into Forspoken is I really like the movement yeah. in that game. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because like initially your movement is, um, limited. You, you can, you could do like a run and you just kind of run and like do magic parkour and jump yeah. over stuff sometimes, but your run stops after a certain point. Uh-huh. Eventually you get avenues to like make your run happen more frequently. Um, or like if you time your press, you can get like a faster run, things right. like that. Hmm. Um, and it like made it, it changed how I moved throughout the game. Like initially I was like, how can I use this one burst of movement? to get as much out of this energy as I could. Yep. But eventually that didn't matter. And then the whole, your your the rest of the gameplay is just like trying to find large stretches of land so you can just keep moving. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so like I enjoy that aspect of, of, of the movement in that game. And the, I like the combat too, but it's more like a, it's kind of more like a third person shooter and you don't have to aim, which is nice because I hate aiming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, now I'm kind of curious. It, it might It might suit your tastes. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe. I, I think know. well I think about games um where uh the the skill trees and the unlocks are more about sort of getting closer and closer to the ideal play experience. Yeah. Which is to have all the things and do all the stuff. Yeah. And it's a very subtle distinction, but I think the best games do it where when you start out, you can really enjoy and master those limited abilities. Yeah. And then when a new one comes along, there's two ways so this is what happened with Batman yeah. for me. Um, is when new things came along, I'm like, I'm fine. I've I've got uh, I've got, got all I've thing. got all I need. Thank you. Yeah, gotcha. Whereas with Spider Man, like I said, essentially the same. So mm-hmm. I can't quite explain it. But mm-hmm. when I got new things in Spider Man, I'm like, oh, I will add this to my arsenal. Yeah. And, re- and then there are other games where it's like, oh, finally I can do X. Yeah. Where you felt limited until that, and I think that's the worst. That's thing. how I felt with Hollow Knight. I was yeah. like, oh, this game is boring until I got the wall jump, or I think it was the wall jump or the double jump or something. I totally agree about. Yeah, that. I was yeah. like, man, this is. And then I got that, and I was like, oh, this movement's great. And it just took forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it felt like it took forever. So yeah, like, when I every time I upgraded abilities in Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, so I was just wasting my time before this. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt I was really turned off by that. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of, and I think that that I think is to taste. I don't think yeah, wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about uh, uh platforming games uh, yep. like, like a Mega Man or a Super Meat Boy or a Mario, where yep. you get no new abilities. Yeah. But your as you play, you get better, and the mm-hmm. levels test you more mm-hmm. and demand more of you. Yeah. Right. That sort of requires you to up your level of mastery as you get to the end. Yes. And then the final boss is the ultimate test of that. And that feels like a very satisfying ending when that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I really like in games is when you can, and we did this in Widget Satchel, where you, near the end, you need to master everything. Yeah. And at the very end, you don't, none of it matters. You can just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's your reward. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's not a lot of games that do that well. I don't know if we did it great in Widget Satchel, Mm -hmm. but it's a kind of thing I do like when I see it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's hard to pull off because I think people have different, you can't, it's hard to to engineer that experience for players. Yeah. Of like what feels rewarding versus what feels uh, uh, trite or, 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 you know, uh, blase, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, that, that idea of there being that the ending that, because then it lets me put it down. And I think that's the thing that maybe separates me from other types of players. I'm not sure if this is common or if this is a, a player type. But I like getting good at a video game and then having been good. Yeah. I don't, I'm no longer interested in proving it to anyone else. Yeah. I just like if I beat the boss at the end and it, and it wasn't just because I stuck it out X many times. Sure. But because I had the abilities to do it. Yeah. That's enough for me. Yeah. Uh, because it's in the context of that experience. Yeah. Which is also why I always say that I don't think it's 
I don't think it's important to be good at video games. Mm. And I don't think that's something anyone should really care about. Mm. But <laughs> when the, in the context of play, <laughs> yes. because it's, 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 it's contextual. Right? Uh-huh. Outside that context, it's, it's not something I put on my list of accomplishments, good at Mario. Right. But when I'm playing at Mario, I like being good at Mario. Yeah. Right? But only when I'm playing Mario. Sure. I right. don't care otherwise. I don't think you're unique in that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that also means that when I'm not playing, I'm not thinking about getting better. I need to be playing to want to get better. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so it all needs to be there. And so, I, I, you know, I, I'm not interested in a fighting game practice room because mm-hmm. that's not playing the game. Right. Okay. You know? Sure. It's not. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that's a debate for another universes. time. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's, it's, you know, different types of. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but it really, it really ties into the, what I, how I think about ending. It's when I put a game down. Yeah. Um, is is important to me because I think if you do value being good at something, putting it down is kind of a defeat mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what so live service games. So that's it. So like, uh, you know, or sports is the same thing, right? Yeah. There's no ending, right? Yeah. There's just just keep doing it. There's just, it's it's a practice that right. you do, and that's a totally different kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that that I would I would sort of separate that out. If your game is designed like a puzzle game that's repeatable or an abstract strategy game that has no ending, it's just yeah. round around, then I think you, you're sort of um, ab- absolved or excused from this dimension of play. Yeah. Because it's it's not that it doesn't, ha- it, it not having an ending is the point, I right. guess. Yeah. Um, it's not like a failure of any kind of thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I really like abstract strategy games. Right. But I don't, and I do think about those as getting better at them. Again, I'm not interested in unless I'm playing. Right. Which is why I'm never like awesome at them. I'm, sure. I just kind of get okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I don't think about those in terms of like an arc of an experience. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's it is different. Yeah, and yet so many of those things applies to mechanics that are done in games that do have arcs or stories or endings. Um, and so it's kind of I would be interested to hear listeners on their their thoughts on that. Yeah, um, let us know. Like, what makes those things different? Uh, is there things that you can learn from those games to provide? Are there ways maybe you could have um, sort of unexpected relationships? With stuff like that, a, a game that feels like it's unending, mm-hmm. suddenly giving you an option uh, to to have a satisfying conclusion, yeah, or narratively or mechanically, yeah, yeah. Let us know. Nicegames.club slash Discord. Yeah. Let us know what you think about endings in particular. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, just let us know your thoughts on this episode, other episodes, mm-hmm. uh, past, future, present, or or just on game development or game development. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love when someone comes in and says, "So I was thinking about what you guys said during this," yeah. and then like takes it somewhere new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people will respond, and then the conversation starts. Like that's that is really really cool to see, mm-hmm. uh, and it it means that it's when people engage with our show, they're engaging with the content and yeah. the topics. Yeah. Because um, I you know I don't think we're that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the things we talk about are interesting. Yeah. And really, the show is a limited space. Right. We only have 30 minutes to talk on a topic a lot of time. With right. Tables and and, um, and we're also not the experts on a lot of these mm-hmm. things. So uh, our listeners providing their experiences, their thoughts, their context, and also, you know, connecting some dots that we weren't able to. I love mm-hmm. seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that happens on the Discord, which you can get. Nicegames.club slash Discord. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lots of smart people on Discord. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. That's not a transition to this next topic. This next topic <laughs> has nothing to do with them or how smart anybody is, really. Dang, uh-huh. perfect transition, actually. Yeah, the perfect transition is just, <laughs> just blow up the transition. Uh-huh, that's great. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I was initially thinking about talking through more gamification stuff. Okay, yeah. This roundtable, and then as I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to talk about, I came across this really cool word that I hadn't, well, term. Mm-hmm. It's a term made up of two words. Yeah. Steven, how does it, pr- it pronounce? Oh, I said it already. Loosery attitude. You did it. Yay. You did just fine. <laughs> he just wanted me to get it wrong. <laughs> Maybe he just wanted you to get another chance to succeed, Steven. <laughs> that's kind of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's very sweet. Mark. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of times you will be like, oh, I'm having a hard time with this word. And it's you mispronounce it once, yeah, and then say it thirty more times, and yeah. you walk away from that experience saying, "Oh man, I'm barely good at this." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Well. Sometimes you need to be reminded that you got it on the second try. That's true. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Um, to be fair, I didn't look up loosery, so it could be wrong. Ah, well, heck. <laughs> so Mark, I see Mark reaching for his mouse, so he uh-huh. can look up the uh, pronunciation and we can double check that. But anyway, so looking this up, and loosery attitude is a term that refers to like the the psychological or mindset that a player has mm-hmm. when entering into a game experience. So there is a Wikipedia article on it. Yep. We'll have that in the show notes. We will have it in the show notes. And basically the loosery attitude, loosery attitude, see, I screwed it up. <laughs> Don't worry about it. The loosery attitude is the psychological attitude required of a player entering into the play of a game. Um, to adopt a loosery attitude is to accept the arbitrary rules of a game in order to facilitate the resulting experience of play. So it's almost like a, you know, if you're reading a novel or you're watching a show, yeah. you have to suspend your disbelief. Right. Because, you know, that zombie fungus probably wouldn't act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't make sense because of thermodynamics um, or something, mm-hmm. right? But you don't care because, you know, you're going to, you're going to be watching this show where everyone's on a spaceship traveling at warp nine. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with a game, you know, that isn't how history worked, but in this game in civilization, it is. Yeah. So you're going to approach it with a loosery attitude for the sake of playing. Yeah, I see. Okay. Like it's okay to, you know, discover uh rocketry before the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure in some timeline, somewhere in the multiverse, yeah. uh, I can see how that happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look how we can get things from over here to all the way over there. <laughs> there isn't much of the thing left, but still. <laughs> anyway. that, that that comparison to a suspension of disbelief is a really, really is such an apt metaphor, mm. like a like a, a way to describe it. Because you think a lot of times about games where that that are very easy to cheat in, yeah, but you don't because you because that would that would not facilitate play, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, like if you're playing chess against yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess that's not really playing. That's a terrible example. <laughs> that's a terrible example. Okay, like playing StarCraft. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will say this as someone who used the cheat codes all the time. Yeah. Because I just liked dunking a bunch of Archons on the map. Sure. <laughs> that's fine. Of course I yeah. did, you know? And the, the Caterpillar guys, mm-hmm. Reavers, I think they were. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So I did type show me the money 
all the time and had a great time. But that's <laughs> that's the loosery attitude I brought to the StarCraft experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I also did play through most of the you know campaigns without cheating mm-hmm. and didn't have as much fun. <laughs> I, I, the cheating I'm talking about is like uh, playing Pictionary mm-hmm. and then having in advance with your partner a set of like codes yeah like if i draw a circle on the left side then i'm talking about a, a word that starts with whatever right like you can cheat at games like oh that. for yeah, sure yeah, absolutely and, yeah. but and without actually breaking any of the rules mm-hmm. right? right and i think that is essentially a violation of you're not having that loose attitude. yeah you're not having a loose attitude you type in you know a no clip when you're playing quake you're still in you're still playing yeah still, you've just yeah. changed the terms it's not it's cheating but by another definition well you've right? just altered the rules a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you're still in that yeah, especially in a single player experience. Yeah. Um, I guess the difference would be if you're uh, trying to go for like a time trial or something. Yeah. And you use a speed run, then it's not it's not satisfying because you are not in the spirit of of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think interest. You know, you're talking about Pictionary or whatever. I mean, you could still be approaching your cheating gameplay with a loosery attitude. It's just that you are engaging in a different type of play right. than the game designers intended. That would be interesting if like you could do a game of Pictionary where everyone had like an hour to prepare their yeah. codes. <laughs> yeah. And just that would see. be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I you see this sometimes like in, I think Drawful is a really good one yeah. where people are sometimes playing the prompt because it's just fun to play the prompt. Yeah. And other people are playing the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and this yeah. the the game the game mechanics like support that, right? Because there's different ways that you score things and you can like stuff and get points different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just like differences in the loosery attitude people are bringing to to the game. And, you know, this reminds reminds me of when, you know, you guys let me uh, do a whole episode on curling. (laughs) <laughs> we didn't that we asked you to do that we were very curious a big part of that game that i talked about in that episode yeah. was the sort of the self-governance right? yes. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah there's something similar that i learned recently in cricket which is um you actually have to ask the umpire for a ruling uh, in certain things in oh cricket. really okay. huh. um which it's it it becomes the, then sort of cursory it happens all the time yeah but it's but the rules are stated that you actually have to participate in the asking for a call mm. otherwise um otherwise you can actually just determine it but yourselves, the other teams, yeah. Um, unless somebody asks, it's very, it's sort of interesting. Uh-huh. But but curling is the is the er example here, which is yeah, you, you, that attitude is re- is required so that play can happen. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Compare that to, and I don't remember if we talked about this, but like this, I don't know if it's still happening in the NBA, but there was like some streak. It was newsworthy where everyone was getting really toxic and angry all the time. Yeah. Um, not very illusory. Mm-hmm. What's the point of the game? Okay, so. I feel like I'm having a hard time with this. Because, like, livelihoods are on the line in a way that's yeah. different from glory being on the line. Right, 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 right. And that, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I feel like I'm having a hard time with this idea. Uh-huh. Shocker, right? <laughs> um, but, I, I like, I, it, it makes sense in some aspects, but I feel like it doesn't make sense to me in other aspects. Like, so I guess that example you're talking about with, with basketball, right? Like, if I were – I'm terrible at basketball. But if I were to play basketball and just get really angry at myself, I guess, I don't know, um, for not being good at basketball, is that loosery or no? Hmm. I hadn't really thought about it at that. I hadn't really. I said it and I hadn't thought about it in any more depth than when it just came out of my mouth. Okay, that's fair. Um, And I have this whole scribble of notes, which we're going to, I guess we decided we're going to upload mm-hmm. as part of <laughs> Part of the show notes. There's some it's, drawings on there. some They're doodles. Um, I, yeah. can, I can venture an answer to that. Please, Mark, that, help. Is, <laughs> it, it's that it's something on top of that, right? Okay. Like, I mean, because 
if you are essentially taking the game seriously, yes, then that is essentially adopting the universe that the game is right li- lives in. Yeah, so that is illusory. Yes, even if it's no fun for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, that's so. This is interesting, and actually, I think this is bringing me back to one of the reasons why I wanted to make this a topic of conversation. Yeah. Which is, I originally encountered this in the context of thinking through gamification. Yeah. Right. And I actually wonder if the thing that makes you know, that makes gamification feel different than just playing games is something similar to what happens when people take sports way too seriously and it stops okay. becoming fun. Right. Is you lose the loosery attitude because it gets it, it gets to be its own point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I mean. That yeah. sort of anger, frustration you have is like something on top of it. Yeah. Or or something that has replaced the loosery attitude. It's no yeah. longer about the play, it's about the thing that that results from the results of the game. Yeah. So like, you know, when you play, you're, you're, you're playing quote unquote, like a gamified app of some sort. Sure. You're going through Duolingo, you're going through, you know, Walker or whatever, mm-hmm. or run an empire, whatever exercise app that's gamified, you know, Hey, fitment. Um, yeah. Like the point there, there is playfulness there, yeah. but the point isn't the playfulness. Mm-hmm. The point is the outcome of the, of the playfulness, right? The the end result of the experience. Yeah. And to me, that, to me, just right now, it's kind of making me think, well, I wonder if that isn't the issue when sports gets out of hand, right? People are too invested and too focused on the, the pride that is tied up in that and the identity right. that's tied up in the team the and money. the money that's yeah. tied up in it. And they have let go or prioritized other things over the illusory attitude, which is, Again, the <clears throat> psychological attitude required of a player entering into the play of a game, right? Mm. To accept the arbitrary rules of the game in order to facilitate the resulting experience of play. Yeah. If you're not really adopting a loose attitude, then if you if you can't adopt a loose attitude, that means you are not getting into the mindset that facilitates the experience of play. I see. So I wonder if there isn't something there. Yeah, I think it really it's the 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 line is in, in basketball, say, mm. that that toxic attitude, it's not, I mean, baseball has decorum rules, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And basketball, I'm sure, has something similar. Mm-hmm. But famously, baseball has decorum rules that are basically as important as the infield fly rule, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as hard to parse. But, <laughs> and so the, the, but it's hard, it's hard to govern those things because they're, they're not fully enumerated, right? Um, or they're up, open to interpretation. And so, if you're not accepting those, then you're breaking the attitude of that particular experience of that play. Yeah. But I could also see the 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 um, those other things taking over without you essentially you still continually maintaining that those arbitrary rules. Like you, the because in basketball, mm-hmm. in order to get two points, you need to sink a shot. Yes. That right. There's no other way to get two points, but presume there was a sneaky way to add two points to the scoreboard. I mean, you get caught immediately, but like that's kind of the idea, right? That 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 there that the 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 less defined the game is, the harder it is to maintain that illusion, hmm. right? That and and that's what that's generally why you have rules and umpires and stuff, so that the players aren't always they don't have to keep track of that stuff, right? Yeah, and that's why curling has players keep track of that stuff to to maintain that order, right? And that's I think there's even a debate that you could have about which facilitates. A better play, independent of say a better experience. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, I, I guess I'm not really fully circling a point. That's fine. Except to say that that 
that sort of toxic attitude of being because it's going to if we don't win today, we're not going to be able to play next week. Or if we don't win today, I'm not going to be able to feed my family or things like that. Right. Uh When it comes when things become so serious, you can then be tempted away from this sort of arbitrary state of the game. And if that includes things like decorum rules or if that includes Mm -hmm. things like, you know, uh, gamesmanship or, you know, things like uh like uh, um like uh i think a thing that happened in the 90s in basketball is lots of like psych outs people hmm. try to like psych out their opponents yeah. and like i think that i don't know how much what the rules said about that at the time or if they've been changed since mm-hmm. but that kind of idea can be against the spirit of it and the, i think there's could be it could be adjudicated whether that's accepting the arbitrary rules or not yeah but when other factors contri- contribute to your psychological attitude whether it is you break the rules or not i think maybe you are stepping away from that, mm-hmm. that idea, yeah right yeah. What if your goals? I guess it's. I guess it's not towards. Well, no, it can still be towards play. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so in, in fighting games, right? Oftentimes, the way I approach uh, a, a fighting game, uh, a specifically like an instance of a fighting game when I'm just playing against another person, mm-hmm. I want to get better at the game, and I want to understand my opponent so I can get better beat at fighting them. Yeah. Um. In you know play play the game. Um, and I would like that for my player or for my opponent as well. I want them to uh, approach it in the same vein. Uh, oftentimes, I have I don't go to that many tournaments, um, so like no, there's not a lot of money on the line. And often when I go to a tournament, I'm not expecting to win. So even when I I expect to lose whatever money I put in into the pool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is that an instance of lucery attitude where I guess my goal isn't necessarily play per se, but it is to improve and understand my opponent. I think that's a, it's a separate thing. I, yeah, I think it's outside the scope. All right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's fair. I would say it's not conducive to accepting a loose attitude. Okay. But I would say it's also not in it itself a sign that you're, that you're you, not you, that you yeah. can't okay. get, get to that. Okay. Attitude. I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around. Yeah, that. no, I think that's, that's kind of what we're doing right now is this, this is a tantalizing term and it's prompted some interesting sparks of ideas that we're exploring mm-hmm. out loud. But y'all seem to into it really well, and I was, and I'm like, uh, well, so hard. <laughs> let's let's go back to let's go back to the roots for a second. Okay. So as I think another piece that's in this Wikipedia article, it's actually like one of the shortest Wikipedia articles I've ever seen. But there are like no caveats on it. There's nothing like this thing has been flagged for blah blah. Oh, mm. it's just short and sweet and good. Okay. I feel like it might be that we have been we have done the most thinking about this concept. Of anybody in history. No, I, that is not true <laughs> because so? the term was coined by Bernard Suits in the book The Grasshopper Games Life in Utopia, first uh-huh. published in 1978, ah. in which Suits defines the playing of a game as the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. Right, but it, the fuller definition offered in this Wikipedia article is exactly one sentence long. So I, the, the, he offers a fuller definition oh, yes. and it quotes it. And it has a couple clauses, but it's mm-hmm. one sentence long. It's a long sentence, Mark. I know. So we're not going to read it. Calling it one sentence is <laughs> I guess that's what generous. I mean. Like, like I think uh, we, we shouldn't be tempted to uh, to suck other concepts. In. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm just trying to understand the scope of this topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, I don't even think I understand the scope of this topic. You see, okay, hold <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, I picked it. That's, no, a no, ha- no. that's a hallmark of an Ellen topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Mark comes with a thesis and I come with like, uh, let's think about this. No, no, no. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I, I led you astray because oh. you had it. Uh-huh. You understood it, Ellen. And then I come in here, I'm like, I don't get it. And you're having a hard time explaining it. I think you understand it, but you don't You don't understand it to the point where you could teach it. Well, perhaps. maybe that means I don't understand it. Okay, fine. As well as I thought I did. Maybe well, I just fooled you. Yeah. I think we, we kind of busted it wide open. 
But I think ultimately where I come down is that it's actually a very limited definition. Yeah. And it's very useful when you talk about what motivates players yeah. and how much that matters. But it's actually, it is fairly, I think, very well, simple. Okay. And yeah, that's probably, I think that's part of why I'm ha- I have, I, I feel like I have a hard time understanding extremely simple com- concepts because I'm like, this has to be more complicated. Why do people <laughs> think of it in, in such a high light? Um, and that's why I think I might be having a hard time with this. Um, so I understood the example you were talking about with respect to gamification of like learning. Yeah. Um, in that, like, you know, your, your intention or it can be obvious that like the intention of you playing this game is not to play the game, but is for you to learn a concept. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's difficult for a player to turn their mind, um, from learning to play in that way. Right. So like, yeah, when you're doing Duolingo, it's like game. it's not really gamifying it. It asks you a bunch of questions. You answer the question. Yeah. It's a trivia show at best. Yeah. I mean, it's got some Um, like currency that you can earn and progress that you can make. And yeah. Well, Habitica is like an RPG where you do things and you get points based off the things you do. Right. Hit things. Um, And then allows you to hit stuff. I think I haven't I haven't used. Yes, I have. I have used Habitica. Okay. Um, So that that feels like a more more reasonable example of my point Um, where like if if your intention to using Habitica is to help you, is to teach you better habits um, in your life, right? Like you want to make sure you clean your room more regularly or whatever. Um, then you will end up approaching the game in a way that leads you towards, you, your, your goals are towards learning how to be better at getting your habits done and not towards being, not playful. towards the game being, yeah, yeah. And not being playful in the game, in the moment. And so it's difficult for you as the player to learn things as you would if you were just to play a game regularly. Um, where, like, you know, like if you're playing, um, I, I, the only thing I can think of is Mass Effect, I guess, at the time, because I, I don't know, it's a, it's a sci-fi thing, um, <laughs> sci-fi game specifically. Um, it has a bunch of sci-fi properties and stuff. It's not, I don't, it's not hard sci-fi in that, like, I don't, all of it probably doesn't hang together. But there are some properties that you end up learning because you're just like immersed in the world and the game itself. And so you'll read some of this lore stuff and they'll talk about mm, gravity pulls or something. You're like, oh, what gravity pulls? What's that? I don't know. Um, and then you'll like read into it more because they're interested and immersed in the game yeah, itself. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like when you're playing Habitica, your goal is to learn how to do habits. And so like you won't necessarily like start trying to, I don't like, I like optimizing games, right? So I won't really try to, I may maybe a little bit with Habitica. Again, I haven't played it. But like, I don't think it's it's more difficult to like change your mindset into like being enjoying this RPG for the sake of the RPG. And as a result, you end up learning things. Yeah, I think that that's kind of where I started with it. Right. So like the idea um, and I think that one of the reasons that we might be struggling with it across the table is just because we came at it from different perspectives. Yeah, Um, because I was thinking of it as like starting with gamification. And then thinking about how a illusory attitude applies to a gamification system, I mean, you have an external goal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily what was that? What was that definition of voluntary something 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 something? I got it right. <laughs> yeah, that's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. Sometimes the things that you like apply gamification for do not feel unnecessary. You yeah, know, like yeah. there's a whole bunch of gamification um, tools or increasingly gamified tools around like personal finance. Mm. You want to get your personal finances under control? That might not feel unnecessary. Well, yeah. I think that's what makes it interesting. Uh, I think video games is probably the hardest thing to apply to this because it's very difficult to not uh, 
volunteer to accept the arbitrary rules. You have very little control over them. Yeah. Um, but it's a difference between a game of um, like hide and seek, where mm-hmm. you could you could peek as someone's running away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you accept that you cannot see. You have to count. At a, you can't count faster than you you know. Yeah. Th- th- that's one thing because the goal is t- to play fair, to accept those rules in order to get the result you want, which is to find somebody. Yeah. Um, but it would be easier to find them if you didn't have to follow those rules, right? Right. But right. then that's different from say g- a gamified experience where, or um, like it, with Hippitica, you could probably or uh, Duolingo or any of those kinds of gamified uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. The goal is not necessarily to get the points or rec- complete the task in the game. Yeah. The goal is ultimately to use play to reach an- another outcome. Yes. So if you were to then just try to complete all the challenges, but essentially in a way that you're uninterested in the the ulterior mo- uh, goal, right. then I think you are not accepting the uh, loosery attitude. Yeah. It's sort of ironically, because yeah. cause the, the goal of play is to... Is, is for those outcomes. And if you try to achieve those things artificially um, by just by using the mechanics and not worrying about... Because I think a lot of people find in Duolingo they're just interested in their streak mm-hmm. right. and then they lose interest in the goal yes. and then they find they didn't learn anything. Yes. Um, and that's really a mm-hmm. problem with the design, less, that, less than a problem with the player. Right. But I think that that's what makes that different from what I think the definition, I think, tries to outline. And so I would say... What I'm saying is probably bending the definition a bit, but keeping the spirit of it, because the goal of a gamified experience is not necessarily the outcome of the mechanical play. It's it's there for some other reason, and so that you 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 need to maintain the attitude of of trying to reach those goals, even if they're not necessarily like you still get the points it, or it, complete the yeah. It sounds like you're describing the difference or the difference between intrinsic and intri- extrinsic motivations, right? I no. suppose. I mean, I, I hope I'm not oversimplifying it too much. Um, but that is what, when you're describing it, that's kind of what I was hearing. Yeah, I guess be, like like all gamification efforts, it's trying to bring in real world things inside the play experience. Yes. But generally, a definition of play requires you to exclude the the rest of the world. Sure. And, and to accept that the universe that the game is created. But you have to bring in those other things from the real world into the universe of play. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, yeah. and if you forget that part of it, then you're just playing the the game. You're not actually like completing. You're not actually. You're actually just doing the things. You're not actually engaging in play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what you just said, Mark. I think it's. I think that's the key to this. For me, the idea of this loosery attitude. And it's interesting because you you've been talking like I think it comes up frequently like the idea of here's this game and you could cheat at it. Yeah. But then you know, does are you bringing a loosery attitude to it? And maybe it doesn't need to be so binary. Um, right. But I guess. The the mechanics of it are the way that I'm thinking of it is the rules are something that are arbitrary and you opt into them in pursuit of a specific type of experience. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are cheating and you're not following those rules, well, A, you're not doing the game. Yeah. But the outcome of that is then you aren't gonna have the type of experience. Um yeah. that the game yeah. is you know, that the game is supposed to have. And so, right. you know, hopscotch, for example, mm-hmm. like you can just freaking walk across the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to make it less efficient. Right. Um, you do it because it's fun. And if you fall off the hopscotch, that's something that you laugh about. Cause you know, like it's, yeah, it's playful. Um, so where was I going with this? Yeah. I think, I think it's not necessarily about the out. I mean, I guess it is about the outcomes of the rules, right? Because it's not like there's this one state that you can end in 
on a game. There are so many states you can end yeah. end in with a game. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of endings, mm-hmm. okay. um, and a I guess a illusory attitude is what you're bringing to that system. Kind of poke around with it and play with it. I don't know. Trying to, I'm trying I, to. I feel like I phrased it like I brought it to a point, but I didn't actually bring the meaning to it. So well, I think the I don't know is kind of a great way to end a topic like this. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, it invites. I mean, we you know we asked people during the blur like yeah. to 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 continue the topic, and I think this is a great example of something I would love to hear our listeners. Yeah, kind of uh, expand on and explain yeah. it to me again, please, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> well. To play a game is to attempt to do it. We'll link it in the show. Ellen, I said, I said, listeners, explain it to me again. Like, yeah, we, oh. we already tried. It didn't work. <laughs> no, we kind of we kind of talked in circles. I don't know. I, I want to. I definitely want to think about it some more. Sure. It's something tantalizing about this word and what it is described well, as. Well, it sounds like a fancy thing. It's just like little narrative dissonance. It sounds fancy, <laughs> and it's not, and it's annoying. Well, when when we try to like tackle a a, a topic, or we, and we do this on the show occasionally, which yeah. is just like, what is this anyway? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's. I think as designers, it's a really useful exercise to like to just explore all of that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it lets us have the language and the tools, not just to communicate with each other, but also to understand what we're doing when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. To find a way to yes. take notes, to yes. to uh, set goals for ourselves. Is this doing the thing I wanted to do? Well, what is the thing I wanted to do? How do I describe it? How do I evaluate it? Yeah. And and you know whether you have the right definitions of things is is sort of neither here nor there. Really, mm. it's just about having the tools to be able to describe um, and outline and communicate. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Yeah. Practicing talking about games. Yeah. And fun, which is hard. <laughs> yes. To nail down, as we just witnessed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and neglecting to put stats into stealth. Uh, it's a cat picture spoilers. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back <laughs> or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. If you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. hold for a noise <laughs> yeah weird weirdly loud car yeah, yeah. unfortunately it's a, it's a stoplight behind us so it might be a minute oh it is stuck no they're they're stopped and they're, they're just idling idling yeah so they turned on their music that was the loudest car i've heard in a long time yeah i worry when i drive past people think my car is loud yeah because my music is loud <laughs> it's probably not it's probably it definitely shakes the car a little so yeah, there's shaking the car, and then there's shaking the windows of the building yeah, as you are driving. That's, so this is my impression know. of someone who hears Stephen go by. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that's the music, right? Well, sometimes it's R and B. Sometimes it's um, electronic music, and yeah. that's loud. So when I'm in your car, I, there's never anything but jazz on. 
Oh, really? Didn't I? You're not doing that for my benefit, are you? No, I do listen to jazz a lot. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. It's just coincidence. I want to okay. drive around with Steven. <laughs> okay. Put that all at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> what was I saying? Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.